Hello there, nerds, and welcome to Go To There, 30 Rock Podcast, a weekly chronological journey through 30 Rock, looking at the jokes, the references, the highs, the lows, and all of the blurbs that come with one of the best shows of the 21st century. As always, I'm your host, Curtis Stone, and joining me is... David Amick. And welcome to episode 113, season 6, episode 10, entitled Alexis Goodlooking in the Case of the Missing Whiskey, originally airing March 1st, 2012. David, if you would please give us a quick summary slash synopsis of this episode. After Pete finds his bottle of whiskey has been emptied, Jenna harkens back to her days of shooting a failed procedural pilot as Alexis Goodlooking to take on his case and figure out who drank the whiskey. Meanwhile, after Frank's mother discovers a letter written to him signed off from a mysterious L, Frank panics and tells his mom that Liz Lemon is his beau to hide his true relationship with his old teacher, Lynn, forcing Liz to pretend to be dating him during an awkward dinner until the truth can finally come out. Finally, Jack finds Kenneth a role in the standards department to approve scripts. But Kenneth learns that all of his co-workers may not be his real friends. Well, except for Roy, but they don't want to hear from Roy because he's an Asian American. They don't have time for that. No. This is legitimately one of the funniest episodes of Thirty Rock. I think uh, I've rewatched in a while. Which I mean, not to say that the other ones before it weren't funny, but like I found myself literally laughing out loud at multiple moments throughout this, just because a lot of unexpected. Uh, jokes and moments I guess I just kind of forgot about uh, are all sort of throughout this episode like uh, Kenneth and the, uh, his rival like yelling at Roy is, is super super funny to me uh, the Lynn Ankman conversation where she's just talking about how much she hates Liz and then the Tracy like thinking yeah you fall in love like the reason lit, um or the, the one rule that Jenna broke about being a police officer and Tracy's like falling in love with your car and he's like no that's stupid he's like caressing the photo of a car like just a lot of like really great moments that I feel like I've just kind of forgotten uh, about like the comedy that 30 Rock can do and its legacy but uh, and also like this is an episode like Liz is part of one of the stories, but honestly, she kind of takes a back seat in this episode. Like, she's not really that important. Like, everything else is... Like, I feel like she's almost wasn't even present, if that makes sense. Like, she's part of it, but... Yeah, she only actually has, like, three quick scenes. Yeah, she's not in much of the episode, but she's part of one of the biggest stories. But she's just, she's kind of just kicking back for it, which isn't a bad thing, but considering the show's about her... She, so well, they, had, they, they had to solve the case of the missing whiskey, yeah, so guess, yeah. Liz wasn't on that case. No. What are your thoughts on Alexis Goodlooking and the missing whiskey? A lot of star power in this one, too, but you should say more before I keep rambling. <clears throat> yeah, there are a few guest stars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> great, thank you. Great con- All right, well, let's just hop in. Like, what a great contribution. Right, I assumed you would cut that out while I formulated my thoughts together. <laughs> So I my favorite Thirty Rock storylines are also like the ones that are riffs on media and mm-hmm. media properties, et cetera, et cetera. So like the way that they handle the the Jenna storyline, like every every blonde has had a failed pilot, like where they played a detective, and it's like it's hilarious because like I mean it's it's true, like she has a special ability and like a tra- some sort of tragicness in her backstory. Right. So you know what I mean? This one it's like her. <laughs> 
special delivery. She's going to leave for clues, and her husband <laughs> was tragically murdered. And she's just really And that's the one thing. case she can't solve. Yeah. So it's funny because I mean it's it's I mean a lot of I feel like a lot of procedurals like the main character boils down to that they have one like at least one like notable special ability and one piece of tragic backstory that drives them basically since every episode is like a standalone more or less like in terms of of the case of the day but right. that there's the one there's the one defining characteristic or tragic backstory that like strings a longer arc right. you know across the seasons or whatever yeah. so and I guess like. I mean, obviously, there's a variety of people making those kinds of shows, but just it seems like it's just just a template story. Like, yeah, you just have X person, tragic backstory, special ability, build on that. Like, it's kind of like all that you need. And I guess like it's obviously it's successful, so it's a, it's a system that works. But I just don't know how you could watch too many of those shows without seeing a lot of those similarities and being like burnt out after a while. I don't know, but I mean. I guess you could well, say, like, my parents used to watch every CSI, Law and Order, oh. NCIS. I don't know if they do as much anymore, but yeah. they certainly. I mean, I, I guess if you just like, I mean, well, we've talked about it before. Yeah. Like, if you just like a standalone episode where you have a case that's tightly wrapped up over the course of an hour, then it's easy to follow along and solve a mystery. So yeah, and do that twenty times a week because characters are slightly different i guess each one <laughs> yeah they have different special abilities and different tragic backstories sometimes they're a psychic and uh sometimes it's the wife that's dead or a sister mm. or a brother or a parent so you know there's just so many combinations of backstory and ability well there's the mentalist that's a version of psych mm-hmm. but let's see the the mat what and is it monk. macgyver or that's yeah monk was i can't i didn't watch that so i, well, I think his thing was I think, yeah, I think he lost his wife, but he was also like OCD, but he was because he was Well, there OCD, you go. He was tragic backstory and special ability right yeah. there. I don't know if MacGyver was much of a tra- I don't. I don't really remember too much of MacGyver. Well, I mean, the, I guess there's the reboot now. Yeah, there's a reboot that's... The, uh, isn't that, I mean, isn't that basically procedural and like uh, special yeah. abilities, like what, like making He's stuff or whatever? He's something from nothing, essentially, yeah. or like the most limited amount of resources he can... Yeah. Well, um, or your special... Abilities that you're a New Yorker, I guess. <laughs> what a talent! Uh, yeah, I mean, hey, it's if hey, good for them um, if it's work. But I, I just personally can't see myself watching something like that that much. But you can't wait until we do a podcast covering oh every episode of Law and Order SVU. Well, if we were getting paid to do it, it would keep us in business indefinitely. That show has been running for. 20 plus years, I want to say. This and point. then once right? you wrap that, you do the spinoff, and then you do the other spinoff, and then... It's been so long that Christopher Maloney left the show like a while ago, and now there's a spinoff where his character's coming back into the Law and Order oh, universe. That's how, yeah, uh, 99 when Law and Order started, so 22 years. Or, excuse me, Law and Order Rescue started in 99, so 22 oh, years. Original Law and Order also obviously lasts a long time. But yeah. haven't been on in a while. Yeah, I got it. They canceled that right after like twenty seasons, mm-hmm. or it was right around there. I feel like it was it was like one season off from hitting like some milestone, so yeah. people were surprised that they canned it. But I can't remember if it was twenty years or. I mean, we we had the joke in the Thirty Rock episode where Jack was talking about the quality program they have, like Law and Order, and Jonathan Whispers to him, they canceled it. He's like, "What?" It lasted. Law and Order original was nineteen ninety to twenty ten, so <sighs> twenty years. Yeah. Uh, as for the Oster lines, I mean, that one was definitely the highlight of the episode to me. I don't know. I'm just kind of over the whole... 
I, I mean, I, I was over the Frank whatever mm-hmm. pedophile teacher thing after the fight. I didn't need his follow up on that story, so yeah. I was gonna I say, guess yeah, it was fine. I mean, actually, yeah. I mean, the, I, I should say they got a lot of good one liners out of it, like mm-hmm. the the especially the scene at the end where they all gather in Liz's office and like the the, the recurring theme of Liz being asked to leave, like <laughs> where the space that is hers, whether it's her apartment or her yeah. office. So, the, so I guess they made some funniness out of it. Like, I guess I didn't really need it, but. I know, like, I actually do think the jokes were funnier than than the first iteration of that story, yeah. at least. So I mean, it's still, okay. like, like Liz is saying throughout the episode, like, their relationship is problematic and it's creepy because she was preying on a 12-year-old and she took advantage of someone. And, like, she keeps using the word pedophile throughout the episode, but it's just, like, they're still almost, like, making it okay at the end. And it's just, like, I don't... And then, and then it turns basically it's just an Oedipus thing, and yeah. it's just like someone needs to go see some therapy. I think like I don't know if this Frank, is the best. Frank, Frank is it has issues and should probably see a therapist. That's there, there's been no indication of that before. No, I, yeah, this is the first indication. I mean, really, this is the aside from the first showcase of Lynn Ackman. They're really, I mean, he was a child, like you know, in his. I don't know, but I think he. I mean, did not like really his comments showcase. and stuff. Uh, I don't know if these comments really warranted therapy so much as just like... Well, just know just someone who, I don't know, like, probably has deeper seated issues. Oh, yeah. Sure. Uh, oh, I guess, yeah, in, that sleep, in the uh, paranormal activity parody, he was having mommy issues then, too. But, yeah. Fun little... Yeah. Good for Frank. But, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I like this episode. That was super solid. Any other thoughts before we... Hop in. Let's hop in. All right. So the cold open is uh, going to help set up Frank Liz uh, storyline, and then we'll get the rest afterwards. There she is, whore of whores. My Frankie could have any woman on earth, and he chose you. Ma, what are you doing here? Why can't you just be happy that I'm happy with Liz? Can I say one sentence? Your meal. I'm an old fool. What is wrong with me? My boy's in love. Oh, come over for dinner tonight. Do you like ox, Liz? Want the frost and ox for you. Look, if the situation was reversed, you know I'd pretend to be your boyfriend. I have a boyfriend in Canada. Seriously, Chris is in Canada for the week. And I can't be your girlfriend because I'm not an old pedophile. We prefer the term adultophobe. Lynn! What is going on here? Well, I'm hiding from Sylvia. I got really good at hiding in prison and making wine in my toilet. Does your mom not know you guys are together? It's been a year. Sylvia doesn't approve of me. No one can remember why anymore. You were his teacher and you seduced him. Look, here's what happened. My mom was snooping in my room because she loves me and she found a letter. Look what I found in your pornography collection. A love letter. Who sent this to you? Who is Al? So you told her Elle was me? Liz, we just need you to go along with this until, I don't know, my mom dies. Or I die. No, I'm not helping to protect this. It's creepy. This is creepy? In prison, I was part of a fake family with a bald woman, and our son was a basketball with a wig on it. But, okay, um, this is creepy. Frank, tell your mother the truth, because living a lie will eat you up inside, like that parasite I got from eating sushi on Amtrak. I don't really think I eat any sushi, really. You've never tried it, have you? Yeah. No, no, not that much. But no, I'm saying like any uh, 
any sort of food that's like supposed to be refrigerated or is made like fresh, quote unquote, fresh daily. I don't know if I trust getting it from like a train station just because. Pizza. What if pizza's made fresh daily? From a train station? I wouldn't trust it. Personally. Why? What if it's, I mean, it's about the train station because I mean, I feel like there are plenty of train stations that like have like a food court, like an airport. Well, no, like a, a food court's fine, but I'm talking about like, you know, like in, ja- in Japan or, you know, places like a, a small little subway, like those little shops that are just sat up that have like sell newspaper and small candies and small like individual size sandwiches like i don't know if i would trust those but like a like a food court's different i that i'd be more okay with that but like just like a stand that's in the train station selling foods i'd be well, a wary of that i guess i was thinking this like she met like literally on a train so yeah that's even worse because like where where did she find it? Did she was someone selling it? Well, no, I mean, I mean, trains have dying cars and stuff, so I mean, oh, they make right. stuff. I don't know. I guess I'm thinking. You know, I, I mean, she did say Amtrak, so it'd be a little bit more yeah. train. But I'm thinking subway is where my mind. Oh at. no! If there was a little in, in, in the underground subway, if there was a little, uh, well, <laughs> I guess it would depend on the subway system and whatever, but. I guess I I know I picture that like gas station sushi probably underground subway sushi depending yeah. on where you are maybe like gas station sushi yeah, yeah but no I was thinking like literally on like the the train the dining car which yeah. even then I mean I don't yeah, know I'd be if I get sushi yeah I'd be worried of where are they storing it uh, yeah but I do remember when we were walking through Japan we walked to that like underground area that was like a mall essentially but like uh huh it was weird because it was just like it looked ancient. And yeah. also, like, because I guess it was just so many restaurants down there, it just reeked of, like, fish. Yeah, I, th- I like, think we're there in the morning before lunchtime, so yeah. there was, like, if we would have been there during, like, a meal time, it probably would have been, like, I don't know. Yeah, it probably would have been, like, you know, more business. and, and Well, busier and just, like, more, because it, it felt like, right, you're right, but you're right, I mean, it seemed like it was kind of, like, it was, like, I don't care what time it was, but it was the middle of the morning, and, like, yeah. it was, there weren't many people down there, and you're right, it was just, like, it seemed, like, old and whatever, but that's probably yeah. just because it was empty. Just our, and our time. time. Yeah. Because, I mean, by the time we got lunch and we were walking around that area, it was packed, just a ton of bodies everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but about that scene, uh, yeah, so <laughs> that's what, that's what they want to hear. Uh, train sushi yeah train sushi uh yeah so susan sarandon's back i think i am not gonna say it anymore but i'm pretty sure that that is a wrap on her that's what you said last time i know that's why i'm trying to be hesitant um but yeah i'm glad that liz keeps calling it out and keep like because i mean like there's nothing there's nothing positive about frank's relationship with her because like it is she literally is a pedophile also she's an adultophobe then shouldn't she be repelled by constantly being around three adults throughout this episode yeah i mean like i I mean i get it it's for the joke or whatever but right but i mean yeah wouldn't she be repelled by frank like if she's yeah yeah anyway um yeah their their relationship really is creepy i mean a prison relationship with someone treating a basketball as a child is a different world of creepy but that's prison rules this is this is 30 rock new york rules it's a little bit different anyway uh well yeah patty lapone of course shows back up um as frank's mom her, her turn is really quick when i get like she calls she immediately is calling liz a whore and then frank's like can't you be happy for her she's like oh oh he's in love and it's just like 
She's an Italian mother. She's emotional. And it's like, how does she come in so angry? Uh, it's just such a quick turn for her that it was like, okay, I guess that makes sense. Uh, but uh, in Jack's office, uh, Kenneth is ready to start uh, his new job. In uh, well, he's, he's he didn't care for ad sales, so he's now going to the uh, public uh, standards. Yes, standards and practices department. That's quite a suit, Kenneth. Thank you, sir. All my suits are my late father's, Mister. That's weird. Kenneth, since you've left the Page program, finding you a new position here has been uh, one of the most difficult challenges of my career. And I'm including making it through the 80s without having sex with Belinda Carlisle. I know, sir, but I just couldn't work in ad sales. We have far too many sponsors that make housework easier for women. That's why I'm putting you in the standards department. You'll be responsible for keeping the airwaves free of content that might offend any group. It's a good starting place. But, Kenneth, if you want to make it in the business world, you can't be so morally stubborn. There are gray areas. Oh, no, sir. There's always a right and wrong. Before he died, my father gave me a piece of advice. Son, if you want to get ahead in this world, oh, God, this hurts. Tell your mother I'm gay. All right, so... Kenneth said those suits are from his dad. And his suit says D.B. Cooper, who's like a famed uh, airplane hijacker whose body was never found. So does that mean D.B. Cooper crash-landed in Stone Mountain and, and was Kenneth's father? Because that story just says as, Kenneth, as he was dying, those were his final words. So it's, is that the story that we're hearing? Is that the story they're telling? Kenneth is D.B. Cooper. No. Well... But that, but that's what they're joking because I mean the joke literally is these are my father's suits, D.B. Right. Cooper, and then my father's last dying words were, "I'm gay." So I mean, like the thing with D.B. Cooper, he was never found. Like they never, they never know where he ended up. So I guess that's the joke they're telling, right? Are you familiar with like D.B. Cooper? I don't think so. Uh, well, I mean, he's he's kind of like uh, I guess like a Jimmy Hoffa type type character where. Uh, in the 70s, he uh, hijacked an airplane that was leaving Portland and Seattle. And uh, the, him and the plane and the money, well, I guess the plane was found, but he and the money that he extorted was just never located. So I guess that's the joke they're telling there is that he ended up in Stone Mountain. He ended up in Stone Mountain and became Kenneth and was Kenneth's father. I guess that I mean I guess that's the joke, but uh, it's just it's, it's kind of a clunky way to get there for me. Um, unless like the joke is that the suits are from DB Cooper, as like that was just like a, fan, a men's fashion line, and we're overthinking it too much. I don't think but, so. I think that it seems like a pretty clear reference if he's like famous for hijacking plane and disappearing. Yeah. So that yeah. I think that's the joke. But is that a thing that people did? Is they monogrammed or whatever like? put their name in their suits is I, that a thing people would yes, do yes i feel like that's like a mad men era thing oh okay all right i guess that shows my ignorance on dressings and how people <laughs> on dressing i don't know i prefer ranch now, do they uh probably but i guess these are less common than they were than they used to be yeah, in I business guess, yeah i guess in more luxurious I mean, I don't know. I think of it as like higher end. Not, I mean, not as like exclusively yeah. like super rich people, but I mean, I guess yeah. I think of that as something that's like like a high end thing to do. I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't know. All right. All right. Uh, back in the writers' room, they're essentially getting their budget uh, and props for the new season. 
and sets up uh, Jenna and Tracy and Pete's, I guess Pete's thrown in there, but Pete's storyline uh, with the missing whiskey. Nerf rifle, Mass Effect 3. What else do we need for uh, research? Well, I need the Deutsch gramophone box set for my opera sketch. An opera? Is there singing? Because I sing. Tracy doesn't sing, so I should do it. The audience expects it. I'll sleep with you. No, Jenna, none of this stuff is really for sketches. We're just saying that so we can charge it all to the show. It's the perfect crime, as long as Pete never finds out. Who drank this? This is the scotch I was saving for my birthday. Someone with the key to my office, a janitor or a security guard or some black-hearted individual, probably white, has ruined the Hornburger hang for all of us. Let's get forensics in here. Have the text lift a latent print and run it against APHIS. Maybe the perp's in the system. Wow, J-Mo, you sound like a cop, and I should know. My uncle was a cop in a porno. Tracy, every blonde actress in the business has done a pilot about a tough but pretty lady cop with special abilities. Mine was called Good Looking. I played Alexis Good Looking, who was also good looking, and my special ability was being good at looking for clues. Let's get forensics in here. Have the text lift a latent print and run it against APHIS. Maybe the perp's in the system. Unlike my husband's killer, who got away and it haunts me. You know what? We should use your skills to solve the case of Pete's missing booze. That was a long time ago, Tracy. My detective days are over. You sure about that? Because like all black actors, I have a lot of experience playing a wise black fellow who gets reluctant white people to do things. Well, I'm just an old fool, of course, and I don't know much about politics or the like. But I do know America's kind of like this here crab apple tree. John Fitzgerald Kennedy. All right, I'll do it. Let's ride, partner. Pete's a racist. Oh, I mean, yeah. Definitely. Everyone on 30 Rocks are racist. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's the first time we've seen Tracy in the writer's room not being on the outset, like actually participating in the writing. So that's... Yeah. Well, I guess he's not participating in writing. It seems like he's probably just in there to get more free stuff. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, so really, yeah, this episode, is, I mean, doesn't just riff on the, like, the procedural trips. It also riffs on the, the magical Negro, like... Mm-hmm film thing Giving which advice. Yeah. yeah which i guess when i think of that i think of the most like archetypal movie of that is the legend of bagger vance which mm-hmm. came out like a, a while before this episode i think it came out in 2000 so like yeah but i still to me like anytime there's a refund like that's what i think because i feel like that was the most like egregious just like straight up like use of that trope yeah i think it was the one that had done it um after such a long time where that trope had sort of been retired and then they brought it back sort of thing. And I don't think too many have done it since then. Uh, I'm sure there are. Not some, that same, like, that way did it super courageously. I think every so often you'll still see it's like the, you know, they're the only black character is like the friend or acquaintance of the main character who gives them the advice they need to. So it's it's like, I think Legend of Battery Vance didn't like in a cartoonish way and like the way they parody here. But that trope, I still, I guess, read about popping up and like more. It's just mm-hmm. like they're like a coworker or like a friend or something where it's not, they're not so cartoonish, but it's still like the, the wise friend who like gives them the advice they need to solve their plot line or whatever. Right. So. But it's never really the main focus. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, but I mean, this, the way they should trace here is like, is, is definitely that over the top. Like, not only like give the advice, but like is like, 
you know, in some, I don't know, just like outdoors and yeah. giving Clearly sage advice and the grandfatherly yeah. and, you know, like, yeah. like, I don't know, I feel like Morgan Freeman is also you someone to associate with being, that having been in that type of role. Like, yeah, I guess Shawshank Redemption, he sort of played that role, even though, like, he and, um, he was on the same level since they were both prisoners, but I guess, like, he was still, like, the magical assistant that helped the white man save the day or yeah. you know fulfill his plot kind of thing i've never seen shawshank redemption though well, you but, see, but you sound like you know it's fun because well, i mean it's it's like a lot of those big academy I've award winning seen it homage and parody exactly. a lot. i've seen it homage and parodied so much that i could tell you kind of what happens i could tell you the gist of it Nothing, no spoilers spoilers for maybe someone hasn't seen movie. it yet um, clearly they don't have tnt because that's the joke right is it runs every weekend on tnt I'll take your word for that. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to look at the TNT listings very often, to be honest. I mean, you don't have to. It's kind of just like a joke. Uh, anyway. But I, I, I do like the joke that Jenna approaches the whiskey bottle. Like, she sounds like, oh, she knows what she's talking about. But all she's literally doing is just repeating the line from her procedural. So it wasn't even like she really knew what she was talking about. She's just like regurgitating a line that she was fed a million times before well to be fair the only person who like tracy's the only person who like is like oh you sound like you know what you're talking about like we don't really get reaction shots of the other writers but like i feel like it could be the thing where like tracy is like uh enabling her and the rest of the writers are like oh god right. yeah just don't say anything yeah. we don't want to get involved which is, is the smart thing to do with jenna but yeah <laughs> Um, meanwhile, in the uh, standards room, Kenneth is quickly developing his rival in Bradley. I have some real problems with this Law & Order SBU script. We can't say Dick Wolf on TV. Listen up, standards and practices. I just had an emergency meeting with legal, and we can no longer use the words hit, great show, fun, or broadcast television. Now, Kenneth... Mr. Donaghy Bradley Tarkin, Jr. Compliance Associate. We met last year at your completely silent presentation on the power of eye contact. Ah, yes, I believe it was entitled... Mm. I was just an intern then, but afterwards I got you to sign my first edition of Jack Attack. Uh, You know, the first edition has a typo. When I took over microwaves, I said to the team, by the end of this quarter, we're all going to be in the black, comma, guys. Not we're all going to be in the black, guys. Anyway, nice to meet you again, Bradley. Uh, Kenneth, a word? Balloon! Kenneth, you are now officially in the business world. Bradley is trying to destroy you. Destroy me? (laughs) He's the best friend I've ever had. Tied with everyone I've ever met. Kenneth, if you learn one thing from me, it's this. In business, you have no friends. Let me tell you a little story. There was once a man named Henry Warren. Henry pretended to be my friend. But he turned out to be my very first nemesis. We got the contract. We're going to make the bottles for new Coke. And I'm going to make sure you get all the credit. Aces. Let's do some cocaine. My friendship with Henry was a lie. We were just waiting for the chance to destroy the other one. But Bradley gave me my nickname, Susan. Like, Lazy Susan, because I'm lazy and effeminate. Bradley is dangerous. Last year, he was an intern. Now he's a junior compliance associate. How did he get promoted so quickly? I signed his book. He had my signature. He probably put it on a forged letter of recommendation. Oh, sir, that's awfully paranoid. Exactly. Paranoid from the Greek para meaning beside, and noid, which is some sort of a 
pizza demon. No, that can't be right. The point is, you've got to be paranoid, Kenneth. You've got to go in there and crush Bradley like I crushed Henry Warren. But I've never crushed anyone except accused witches. Jack is the villain. Like, he's the nemesis to Henry, right? Because, like, Henry, when Henry shows back up at the end, like, he's still, like, positive and upbeat. Like, he didn't seem like he was vindictive. He, I mean, he's, he leaves upset, but, I mean, yeah. Jack well, is I mean, the Bradley to Henry's Kenneth, right? I, I mean, that, I think that's how it comes across, because if, if, um, Henry is supposed to be, like, nefarious at all they don't actually show it yeah like so yeah i think i think i think that's what we're supposed to take from it because they would have shown something to him actually you know what i mean that i mean they make the joke about new coke which i guess if like you'd say is like he's setting jack up by making by saying he, you're gonna get all the credit you're gonna get the credit for new coke like knowing it was gonna be a flop so like i guess you could read it either way because that's the only thing you could read as him trying to undermine jack because it's like well did before new coke came out like were there people who knew it was gonna be a flop you know what I mean? So you mm-hmm. could you could read it as undermining him that way, I guess. But, but also, like, you could do it. You could read it either way. I think. I took that read of new Coke bottles to mean like we're literally going to be producing the new Coke bottles, not we're going to be producing new Coke. Oh. So that in that way, I'm not reading it as he's because he does explicitly say I'm going to make sure you get all the credit for it. Which, if that's the case, it did seem like it's failed Jack because he still succeeded. Right. So. Yeah, I don't. I mean, that does sound like a kind of thing to say. Like, I'm gonna make sure you get all the credit for it, right? And like, be but like, mean it earnestly and not in the mean. So I don't know. I guess you. I don't know. Like, yeah. you could take it either way. I guess. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, but but, but it, it's definitely in Jack's character to be super competitive and want to oust anyone who would be perceived as competition. Yeah. Regardless of whether they're actually a threat to him or not. Yeah. So. Yeah. So while Liz uh, comes home to a fun surprise and Frank and his mom. Uh, with a, I, I like Frank's hat of just saying, be cool, Liz, on it. <laughs> Very subtle. Back at 30 Rock, uh, Jenna and Tracy are on the case to to find out who stole Pete's, Pete's uh, whiskey. And this is definitely very much the law and order setup because they just have Lutz <laughs> doing like the very uh, tropey thing of the worker they're talking to is just doing menial labor of like moving one thing from one side of the screen to the next. Like all he's doing is just like stacking scripts or something, like that's it. But he's doing like the, oh yeah, I know him kind of thing. (laughs) Pete? Yeah, I saw him earlier today. Why, something wrong? Someone drank his scotch. You wouldn't know anything about that, would you? Why would I? I was gonna drink it with him on his birthday. Okay, but if you think of anything, use this phone as a reminder to call us. I may not pick up, cause I lost my phone just now. If you think of anything, call us. Hang on, this chair's been moved. Read him his rights. I should tell my husband I'm gonna be late tonight. No, wait, I can't. He's dead. Hang on, the trash was moved. Hiding something, Mr. Lutz? Okay, I drank it. We all drank it. We wanted booze, but we didn't want to hang out with Pete. It's the worst. He always brings out his guitar and sings. He's got one story, and it's about him seeing Phil Donahue at a mall. Now comes the worst part. The paperwork. So to be fair, Jenna did actually learn something about detective <laughs> skills from her failed pilot. 
I mean, yeah, again, it's it's mirroring her failed pilot of she's just doing exactly what she did in that role, but it is working for her. Well, hey, at your job, you need to get experience until you you learn how to do the things you do, and then you learn to repeat them. So see? Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. She she learned if there was an indent on the floor, then something was moved. That's... (laughs) I I think you've given her a bit too much credit. Yes, that's the joke. Anyway. Back at the standards of practice office, Kenneth has been taken to the woodhouse by by a Mr. Fister. Speaking of getting things past <laughs> standard and practices, the door, the door, uh, what do you call it? The placard on the door literally just yeah. says A. Fister. A. Fister. Yeah, but it's it's spelled P.F. So good times, good times. What's wrong, Susan? Mr. Fister just took me to the woodshed which I didn't even realize could be a metaphor. I guess I signed off on a script where an Asian character refers to Renzi Rohan posing for Preyboy. But I know that's very offensive, especially because Asians are underrepresented on this network. Exactly. If there are more actors of Asian shut descent... Up, just shut up, boy! I am dealing Kenneth. with some... No one wants to hear from you. I don't even remember reading that script. It's your signature on the memo. That does look like my ex. Susan, as a friend, quit before they fire you. Realization. To this day, I feel like Asian representation on NBC is pretty terrible. Apart from, like, I feel like on the procedurals, you might have, like, one lieutenant or detective or something or who's, who's of Asian descent. But, like, I mean, are there, like, other than, like, other than, like, fresh off the boat, like, have there been... Really? Like, oh no! I mean, fresh off the boat was definitely one of the. And that's ABC, ones. not NBC. Yeah. But I mean, my saying, like, even if you think of it, just like characters on, not that obviously I watch, uh, and and of course NBC is a lot of like medical shows and stuff, other procedurals I don't watch, but like I still feel like they're not much better now. No, I mean, I guess you could say, oh god, what was the failed NBC show that we talked about a, a little while back that was supposed to be? The oh, book? outsourced. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, but I think a lot of people forget that Indian is technically Asian America, Asian America, but it is Asian. Yeah. Um, I think they think. But even so, I mean, other than that, like, like but, there aren't that many um, Indian characters. I mean, no. anywhere in Asia, we're talking East Asia, South Asia, Middle yeah. East. Yeah. Well, actually, honestly, like middle, middle, if anything, Middle East. But that's because of shows that basically like have plot lines about terrorists and stuff so it's like it's representation but it's not really good representation it's not yeah it's like a bad it's like a stereotype like it's founded on some sort of truth but it may not be the best representation you're right Uh, i guess like for nbc currently it's uh oh what's her uh, sandra from right on yeah a couple people on superstore that's true but i mean that's still like she's not exactly the main character i mean she's become like a breakout character but she's not yeah and and she doesn't they don't rely on like stereotypes for her like she's aloof like she's kind of like a goofy character, um, but yeah. as I don't remember any storylines revolving around her race being um, yeah. important. Yeah, a little bit because well, you had the actor who plays Mateo too on the Good Place. Yeah, you had true. but he's Polynesian. Uh, Filipino. Filipino. Yeah, on the Good Place you'd have Jamila Janil, who well she's British, but her I think like Indian is her yeah. is her that's true family's longer background. But I'm trying um, to think Parks and Rec didn't have yeah Office Kelly. Yeah, but still, it's like one or two yeah, characters here or there. Right. Oh, well, of course, um, we talk about Mr. Mayor, uh, Val Laval, who plays mm-hmm. the chief staff's name. But it's like, still, it's just like, yeah, it's yeah. one It's like one character. 
on each show or basically yeah. two, maybe two. Yeah. On one on one on one. But I mean, I have noticed, like, it seems like a lot of Korean TV has started to make its way over. And Netflix has been really pushing a lot of uh, Korean uh, produced television on their streaming services. So it seems like they're tapping into a market that has kind of been lost on a lot of American audiences. So that's good. There is one that uh, it went up a few weeks ago. I'm, I'm blinking on the name. I added it to my my list, but each episode is basically like 90 minutes long. Oof. But there are only like six or seven episodes, but it still is like, those are mini movies. I don't... <laughs> I don't know if I have time for those to di- digest them in one time. Uh, let me see. If I could. It's something. It's like it's it's like a, a hospital. Ooh, Kim's Convenience. But I mean, that's not a that's Canadian. Movie. But I mean, it's about an Asian right. family. But it's Canadian. I know. I'm just the Canadian shows are hospital much playlist is yeah. the Korean show that's been added to Netflix. But it's like it's only one season, but all the and it's only like oh wow, it's twelve episodes, but each of them are like average Oof. about ninety minutes. So. Yikes. Which I guess isn't that bad. I mean, for I don't know. Anyway, but I mean, like it if, seems if like Korean. playing Final Fantasy fourteen, you get it done in less than a week. No, that's true. Like, but the thing that's the hard part about watching a show that that is subtitled is I can't pay Dude, attention two to two ones. things. Yeah. Uh, I I try to I prefer it to that be a little bit true. joked kind of thing. It's kind As of I even found with Drag Race Thailand, like mm. actually maybe because it's like the the Thai language is like so completely divorced from English that it's like I have to like pay full attention even though like I mean even though like I mean a lot of the challenges and stuff were pretty much the same as Drag Race USA but it's like you still have to pay close attention just to know what's going on yeah yeah but I mean I'm I'm happy that the that it's it's reached a level where uh more audiences are able to watch it but it's like I still think I mean there's the joke or not the joke but the Earlier this week, they announced another Korean movie was going to get an American remake, and everyone was sharing that um, quote from uh, the director of Parasite about once we get over the barrier of just having to read, you know, subtitles. There's there's so much more of a world of movies out there that if you get past that limitation, you'll discover so much more. But Hollywood is still falling into the trap of like, no, we just need to remake it for American audiences, which I get because there is a different sentimentality that's made. I mean, but it's like what thing like Lupin, the French show on Netflix. Lupin is literally the only whatever is literally the only subtitled show I feel like I've heard of that like really has broken. You know what I mean? That like a lot. So if I mean the reason why there's remakes is because you know I mean people are aren't are hesitant to watch. Like I mean Parasite obviously like extraordinarily well for a foreign film but it's like that's because it won best picture and had a lot mm-hmm. of buzz behind it like yeah. it didn't have that push like you know what i mean it's not like you have that many like i feel like you're you're right in that netflix is helping breaking down some of those barriers but it's like the reason why there's remakes is because i mean they're not gonna i don't know like i feel like people are hesitant to invest in movies that are only subtitled right. so yeah and i and that's like that's the weird catch of it is like the thing already exists so you can go out and find it but it's also kind of hard to find because if there's no streaming option or there's no availability then how do you watch it so at least with an american production behind it you know it it does get its chance but i don't know it's a it's a weird dance but anyway Hmm. how did we get there asian representation asian representation there we go (laughs) 
Because there is none on NBC. Well, there's not none, but... I don't think there was much, definitely, at this time on um, NBC. Well, we, we were post-outsourced, I so I mean... Yeah. And I, the office was almost over, so... Kelly, I think she left in, in the last season, I think. She was only in a handful of episodes. So while Liz and Frank are enjoying their dinner, and Liz is really enjoying the food, so she's able to keep up the lie... Uh, Kenneth is also realizing Bradley may not be his friend and uh, goes to Jack for some advice. Jack encourages him to get rid of Bradley. Uh, but in uh, Tracy's dressing room, Jenna and Tracy are going to tell Pete the truth about the whiskey. Hey, everybody's just sitting around in there waiting for you two to shoot promos. Thank God I've got my awesome Phil Donahue story. Pete, there's been a development in the whiskey case. What? No, forget the whiskey. Look, all I wanted to do was hang with my friends, rock some jams, and tell the story about my cousin seeing Phil Donahue. Well, I mean me. I'm, I'm, I'm the one who's home. We just wanted to tell you... We don't know what happened to your whiskey. What was that? He doesn't need to know how it went down. It would hurt him too much. I broke the number one rule of being on the force. Don't fall in love with your car? No. I let it get personal. You're right. The car thing is stupid. The thing is, the writers got away with it. So what are we going to do about it? We're going rogue. She's hitting all the tropes of a procedural. The, 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 forgot the number one rule of blah, blah, blah. We're going rogue. I mean, she's hitting all the beats. Well, that's the halfway point of the story is you don't tell yeah. you don't tell the ending just yet. You have to stretch it out a little bit further. you got two more ad breaks to, to get through before you can reveal the ending. I mean, it's pretty impressive that she's remembered so much from her <laughs> lines and that's everything true, from her failed pilot. That's single, single episode. Good job. Good job, Jenna. But I love that, yeah, stupid car. That's so funny. <laughs> it's just so silly and absurd. But I mean, it's, it's my second favorite joke in this after that Roy, um, I guess you would just say dismissal of him saying, like, Kenneth setting up the fact that there is no representation or there's very little representation. They start showing an Asian American having a line and having a story and then their problems are so much bigger that they immediately like forget it and to start talking over him and don't even like give him eye contact like it's just it's such a funny delivery because it's just like your problem is not as important to me right now let me talk and get out by it's just so funny to me she's great plus plus 30 rocks reinforcing the nbc standards of not giving asian people screen time and the Asian person being like okay with it, like they don't, they don't walk off angry. They just like accept their fate. And, yeah. I got my sad card now. Yeah, I'm alright. <laughs> I'll go back to work. So with Liz thrown out of her apartment after Frank uh, revealing to his mother who he really loves, uh, she stayed the night in her office, and Frank comes and tells her how it all went down. Hey. Sorry about last night. Yeah, I had to sleep here. You know they turned the heat off. If I hadn't found that other blanket, I'd. Wait, where'd it go? Oh, God. It was mice. The blanket was mice. So, what happened with Sylvia? You were right, Liz. Lying to my mom was stressing me out. I mean, I haven't gained weight in months. It wasn't worth it. So what, you broke up with Lynn? Just promise me that you'll take care of yourself. Don't let Liz work you too hard. I do really hate her. I think she's a terrible person. First of all, why were you in my bedroom? And why would you tell me that part of the conversation? It's the only part where we weren't having breakup sex. Come on. Look, I'm sorry. And I appreciate everything you did. So 
I made you some meatballs. It's my mom's recipe. So you're sure you're okay? Yeah, definitely. With all this behind me, I'm happy. Thanks. Eat them now. Oh, quiet. I do the talking. So, like, just three moments in a row of Roy yelling at Roy, Tracy's stupid car love, and that delivery from Susan Sarandon of just how much she hates Liz is so funny to me. Because I think she hates her because she knows what she's doing with Frank is wrong and Liz is the only one that's calling him out on her. So just, she just has this hatred towards Liz that's justifiable on Liz's part, but it's just so fun. I really do hate her. It's, just, it's so great. But uh, in Jack's office, uh, he has a surprise guest uh, played by Stanley Tucci. Henry. Henry Warren? Henry Warren Chang. I married a very bossy Chinese lady. What on earth are you doing here? Please sit down. <laughs> Thank you. I haven't seen you since the 1985 GE talent show when I convinced you to sing Monster Mash, knowing full well that Jack Welch is terrified of monsters, and I ended your career. Not ended. <laughs> doing quite well, actually. In publishing now. Encyclopedias. I want to stop by because a young man named Kenneth Parcell came to my office this afternoon. He did? What did he want? He wanted to find out if my life turned out okay after you took me down. Because he's afraid he might have to do the same thing to someone else. And what did you tell him? I told him the truth. I'm great! I lease a certified pre-owned Lexus. Both my sons are magicians. And for my birthday, Wei Lin got me tickets to the Broadway show Memphis. So... <laughs> well... And I see that you've done very well for yourself. Well, uh, uh, that sofa is made from sea biscuits. Well, we're both very impressive. But at what cost, Jack? The first couple of months that we worked together, we were good friends, and then we turned against each other and... Oh, come on, Henry. We were never friends. We were pretending so we could learn each other's weaknesses and then exploit them. But what about all the dinners? I mean, we talked for hours. I was gathering information. All right, what about the drive up to Pittsfield when we stopped at Sturbridge Village? Remember, we had fun. We saw a candle being made. I didn't really care about that candle, Henry. I, I don't even remember what color it was. Regular white tan candle color, Jack. You know what? I really feel sorry for Kenneth Parcell because you're going to beat all that's good out of him and turn him into another paranoid corporate killer. I remember our trip to Hilton Head. That wasn't me! So, see, he doesn't make a reference there to starting out being friends and then turning against each other. So, I think that does support that they were, that he, I guess, it wasn't a he was the Kenneth and Jack was the, the Bradley. I guess so, but it still seemed like, by the end, like, Henry was still just aloof to it or, like, oblivious because he was like, yeah. you remember all the trips we made and how much fun we had? But Jack was like, I didn't remember any of that because I was still trying to just destroy you. And Henry was still just like, oh, well, it was fine. And he only gets mad at the end because he finally realizes that Jack had it out for him all along. I don't know. You could read it both ways. But, uh, I mean, this was, I'd forgotten Stanley Tucci was in this episode. Uh, again, I it's been a little while since I've seen this run of episodes. But, I mean, he's kind of just one of those character actors that's like, I guess like on the level of like Philip Seymour Hoffman, like he's just been in so many things. He's just like one of those guys. Like you know, he's you know him. You may not know his name, but you know his face. Kind of. I know. Thing. I think. I think. I think he transcends that guy character actor because yeah. I think. I think everyone knows. I think most people know who he is. Yeah. 
Whereas, because like, I feel like a lot of that character actors like that guys is like you know their face, but you don't really know them. But he like I feel like he yeah people know who he is. Yeah, I mean he's pretty much a standout. You're right. I guess he has a standout. Like I guess yeah, more people probably do know his name and his face rather than just his face kind of thing. But uh, yeah, he's I I don't have much of his filmography personally in my libraries or whatever. But like any instance I've seen him pop up, I'm like okay yeah, this dude knows what he's doing. He's pretty great at what he does. As an actor, wow! What a what a good actor you are, Stanley Tucci. I mean, yeah, he's is definitely one of those people. Like his pedigree sort of follows him, and he doesn't. He probably has a few sour notes, but he's still consistently good in things that he even like in a role like this, where he's in one one or two scenes, he still kind of does a fantastic job with it. Yeah, it's probably like they. I mean, he only has two quick scenes, but maybe that's all. Maybe they really wanted him as a guest star, but they that's all he had the time for. Yeah, when they were filming. Yeah, who knows. No, he does a good job though. He, the, his latest project is he just did a travel show for CNN and some cooking and traveling show in Italy or something. Oh, like the Anthony Bourdain stuff? I guess so, yeah. yeah. Good for him. Good so Stanley Tucci. Now he's, now he's also a cooking slash television host. So, this. I feel like, wasn't he like a YouTube perso- personality doing that? Like, wasn't, did he get a start doing Not a start, but like, didn't he also have like a YouTube channel where he was oh. doing something like that? I, because I, 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 now that you mentioned it, I feel like there was like a Stanley Tucci cooking thing that maybe that, maybe it's the CNN show that they were talking about. Maybe. I feel like maybe he had like a YouTube channel he did, and that's maybe what turned into that CNN show. Or maybe I, I'm thinking yeah, of another person perhaps. entirely. It's just coincidence. So the nerds in the writing room are forced to hang out with Pete because as punishment for stealing his whiskey. Uh, meanwhile, while that's they're being subdued uh, to that no doubt good time as their, their, their faces reflect the happiness they have, uh, Liz makes a revelation about the meatballs. Sing us a song, you're the guitar man. And this is Pete's birthday night. Any mysteries that need solving, Liz? Actually, yes. What happened? Who attacked you and gave you that haircut? No, it's these meatballs. They don't taste right. There's an extra ingredient. It's something familiar. P.S. I love you is so sad. No one should have to be married to Gerard Butler or Hilary Swank. <laughs> It's tears. Frank was crying when he made these. Oh, he lied. He's miserable. But I don't understand. He seemed so happy earlier. Forget it, Tracy. It's Midtown. (sighs) Kenneth is about to do the wrong thing, and Jack comes to him to make sure he does the right thing. Kenneth, don't do it. You can't destroy Bradley, you innocent goon. You're the most remarkable person I know. And I've met Jaleel White, incredibly charismatic. He makes Stefan Urkel look like Steve Urkel. But my career... Forget about your career. I'd rather see you get fired and lease a car than watch you turn into someone like me. Now, give me that transcript. So you're trying to help me? Of course I am, Kenneth. I'm your friend. It's just... The other day you said, in business, I have no friends. And you were right about Bradley, so... What does that say about you? Maybe you're afraid I will become you. I'll climb that corporate ladder until I eventually take your job. And then where will you be? Out on your ass, like Stone Mountain's mailman riding his trusty donkey Erasmus. Wow, 
That is some high-level paranoid thinking. Like Hitler or Willy Wonka. If you're thinking that way, then I'm already too late. Kenneth did it anyway. He has been corrupted into a corporate... What's the word I'm looking for? A corporate bloodthirsty drone. Like, yeah. That sounds that sound like an Paranoid. oxymoron. <laughs> You're an oxymoron. Bloodthirsty drone. Yeah. Paranoid. Based on the word para being beside annoyed some sort of pizza demon. Exactly. We discussed the annoyed, right? In an earlier episode. We don't have to discuss the annoyed again. Do we? I don't remember, but I'll take your word for it. Okay. But if you don't know, it was a Domino's uh, mascot in the late 80s. I remember now. There we go. That his whole thing was he destroys pizzas if you don't eat them fast enough or something like that. It's weird. The 80s were weird. Coke was a crazy thing. As we learned at the beginning of this episode. <laughs> yeah, that's a, there's a physical joke where he pulls out a bowling bag that I assume is just full of Coke. Which is like, is that was that a thing? Where else did you keep your cocaine? You couldn't bring a cocaine box to the office. You had to hide it in something like a bowling bag. Oh, yeah. How subtle. Going bowling after work, I guess. Isn't that what people did for fun in the 80s? Uh, yeah, I did. God, could you imagine bowling on coke? That would just be insane. Midnight bowling on coke with all the lasers Sounds and trippy. black lights? Good lord. They still do that, right? I don't know. It's like, yeah, like, well, I don't... I mean, currently, probably not. I don't know how many are, but... That was probably a thing at some point when there wasn't a lockdown. Indeed. Uh, But back in Liz's office, we're coming up on the finale of her story with Frank, Lynn, and Sylvia, Frank's mom. Why are you keeping me late to write the cold open? Well, you know politics. I don't know anything. I get all my news from the radio and Grand Theft Auto. Frankie, are you okay? La donna di Scudaggia called and said you were sick, so I came by to make you chicken soup. Where can I kill this? Wait... Liz called you? No, she called me. You? How dare you? Get out of my Liz's office. You said Frank wanted to get back together. Why would you tell her that? I said I was happy. You lied. You're miserable. You cried in my food. Sylvia, your son is not sick. And Lynn, Frank didn't actually say that he wanted to get back together. So I wore my sexy underwear for nothing? I'll kill you. Ma'am, I am in a Mexican prison gang. You kill me, Los Tiburones will greenlight a 187 on you. You don't want that kind of heat. Sylvia, your son is not happy. And not that you care, but neither is Lynn. Oh, that's true. When Liz called me, I was getting this tattoo. I'm not creative. And believe me, I get it. This shouldn't work. How they met is disgusting. Their age difference is just weird. They shouldn't go together. But you know what else shouldn't go together? Veal, fennel, lemon, cheese, and pork. That's right. Your meatballs. Lynn and Frank are just as good as your meatballs. That's it? We're meatballs? That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. I mean, do you have any idea what I've been through for love? Public humiliation. Johnny Carson in his monologue said, I was looking at 20 years, but I'd probably be more attracted to 12. I mean, uh, that's an okay joke, but it hurt. And then prison, where we only had one movie with Dabney Coleman and the kid from E.T. Cloak and Dagger? Shut up, Liz. I lost my, my house, my life, but it has all been worth it. I mean, even if I never see Frank again, it was worth it. And you call us meatballs. Elizabeth, I'm going to ask you to leave. Okay, but if you look at my internet history, I'm researching a movie about two male centaurs kissing. 
Oh, I was wrong. This isn't creepy because you're dating your teacher. This is creepy because you're dating your mother. You found someone just like me. Because I'm the woman you really want to be with. Because you're the best. Oh, oh thank you. You're, you're the, the best. best. <laughs> <laughs> really, really seek therapy there, Frank. It's not a good look, buddy. Also, it's like, I don't know, it's like a, I feel like a recurring joke in comedy that it's like comparing people saying you're like this and like people getting offended by it. But it's like, I don't know, is that, is there, there are worse things to be compared to than meatballs. Meatballs are tasty. Yeah, I think this is like them making fun of that trope though. Cause like a lot yeah. of people would accept it, like, oh, we are like this weird combination you wouldn't compare a person to. But for the sake of the story, yes. But yeah, I like the fact that they sort of turn it. And like, what, you're comparing us to food? Like, what the fuck are you talking about? My She's life the is... pork and Frank is the veal. I guess so. And I guess the mom is the fennel. <laughs> uh, but yeah. But I mean, I, again, it's so weird. Like, the joke is that the pedophile wins in the end. And it's just like, I don't... I don't well, think I know that's it, the uh, best... I think the joke, joke is that Frank is in love with some... Like, basically wants to date his mother. Well, I mean, and that's, that's, that's like the joke. But I mean, the, like, the fact that she ends up with frank is not shouldn't be a reward it should be like she she should still be not allowed to see him because well, they're both adults now so it's not illegal I, but i mean but also she's like i ruined my life i lost my house i lost my job it's like again you made those choices you did all of that yourself no one forced you to do any of that that's all on you so like you don't you can't expect someone to feel sympathy for you even worse johnny johnny carson made a joke about her ah, that's a that's a really good joke that's really funny I like that she gives props to her. She's like, it's an okay joke, but... <laughs> but uh, that wraps up uh, Alexis Good Looking in the case of a missing whiskey. Got it right the same time. Didn't stutter through that one. Uh, yeah, so the credit scene in this episode is more of the magical Negro man and Tracy just doing multiple cuts of giving advice to a John Fitzgerald Kennedy uh, on the set of the movie. Uh, that he was shooting and it's I mean it's he's not really saying anything substantial which is I guess why they keep making multiple cuts um, but yeah final thoughts on Alexis good looking I'm glad they got to the bottom of who was stealing and drinking the whiskey we got to it really quickly yeah well <laughs> Jenna's such a good detective yeah. she learned so much on her yeah <laughs> uh, show yeah no uh, no this is a genuinely like funny episode like that I kind of space are I'd kind of forgotten a lot of what happens in it but I'm I'm happy to rediscover it because there's a lot of great bits in this uh, and also I'm, I'm surprised that they got to parody a Billy Joel song because it was a couple seasons ago where they couldn't license they couldn't do Billy Joel music because it was too expensive to license for the reality show and here they're doing a parody of Piano Man which probably has to be his most expensive song to license just because it's probably his most famous but anyway if there's nothing else to say, as always, thank you for joining us on Go To There. If you like what we're doing, rating and reviewing and all that fun stuff is going to be the best way to help us out. Otherwise, we will see you in next week's episode, episode 114, season 6, episode 11, entitled Standards and Practices. I wonder where the story is going to continue from. A fister. Oh, dear. Uh, wherein Jack matches wits once again with Kaylee Hooper. Uh, played by Chloe Grace Moretz. Kenneth has pretty much become the big wig in the standards and practice office. He's the big fister now. He's the he's Mr. Fister and starts uh, 
starts getting in the way of TGS's production, and Jenna finds her six biological children in an effort to get more publicity. Played by one of them is played by what's his name from Search Party, John. Oh, John yeah. Major. John Major. Is that his name? I think that sounds right. John Early. John Early. There we go. I was close. Five letters. Yeah. There's an A and an R in there. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. You got it. We'll just give it to you. Well, you didn't get it, but you were relatively close. close. All right. I could have been farther. Anyway. Anyway. Yeah. Dave, take us out. See you next time. And Phil Donahue's walking past Cinnabon. And he's making eye contact with me. I can tell by his smile that he'll stay for a while and say, Pete, you're who I want to be. Well, maybe I never did go to college or travel around the world. So I don't know much about worldly things like taco meat and having all your fingers. Lord knows some of my friends are just shrubs I put hats on and get high with. My wife had two of the president's babies, and you one of them. I can tell you one thing. I'm going to kill all y'all in y'all sleep. Now, I don't know nothing about no literature or history, but I'll tell you what I do know. This movie was written by white nerds. Cut. Especially because Asians are underrepresented on this network. Exactly. If there are more actors of Asian Shut up, just shut up, boy. I am dealing with something. No one wants to hear from you.